0: Welcome to Nobody Told Me. I'm Laura Owens. And I'm Jan Black. And our guest on this episode is someone we've wanted to have on the program for a long time. She is Dr. Shafali, a renowned clinical psychologist and New York Times bestselling author who specializes in family dynamics and personal development, integrating Western psychology and Eastern philosophy. Her latest book is called
1: A Radical Awakening, Turn Pain into Power, Embrace Your Truth, live free. Dr. Shafali. thank you so much for joining us.
2: I'm so excited to be talking to the two of you. I love the mission of your podcast. So I'm excited to be here.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much for saying that. The new book, A Radical Awakening, aims to teach women how to rediscover the person we were always meant to be, fully present, conscious, and fulfilled. And I'm wondering why is it that we get sidetracked on the path to finding out who we were meant to be?
2: Oh, my goodness. That is that is the whole point of the book is, why do we get <laughs> sidetracked? Yes. Um, well, you know, it's a complex answer, but to put it very succinctly, our culture is increasingly based on a very toxic masculine principle of acquisition, domination and severe competition. While a lot of um, what we see currently is you know has biological primitive roots of survival, it's gone to such an extreme point that anyone under the pedestal of that power falls prey to being dominated. So women, children, animals, the earth, and men also uh, who are not the powerful men in charge are being stampeded and wiped out for the, this toxic masculine goal of acquisition and domination. So having said that, that's the cultural uh, matrix that we women are raised in. So we intuitively, because now our biology is to be nurturers, is to be caretakers. That's what we do naturally. So given that is our biology, but now we're in this cultural matrix of extreme toxic masculinity, our biology gets abducted or morphed or transmuted into this toxic femininity. And we are kind of obliterated in our giving. We want to give, we want to nurture, but because culture is so extremely toxically masculine, we feel like we have to obliterate ourselves in order to get what we need to survive. So it's a very precipitous imbalanced equation that we're living in right now. And the only answer in terms of our female awakening is for us to step into our most awakened self and and understand that this is how culture is setting us up to repeatedly be divorced from our inner knowing and our inner voice.
0: What is that radical awakening that we need to have? And talk to us about
2: your own. Yeah, well, the radical awakening we need to have is to understand what is happening to you in terms of this cultural toxic patriarchy. And the second layer is how we are doing it to ourselves. So I I am constantly empowering my female clients to understand that they are part of the matrix, but they are also part of their own inner oppression, and that is the radical part. Yes, you can blame the culture, you can blame the toxicity, but now it's become part of our own internal makeup. And that's what we have to wake up ourselves up to. And in terms of my own journey, you know, I've been doing spiritual work on myself since I was in my early 20s, but I was still falling prey to being the good girl, to being the people pleaser, the conflict avoider. And I was allowing myself to be dimmed And as I began to grow into my womanhood, into my femalehood more and more, I had to change the patterns around me. And I ended up leaving my marriage because it couldn't grow with me and couldn't allow me to become my most expansive self. And as I did that, I began to pay more attention to how culture doesn't like an emancipated woman. Culture doesn't like a woman who says, I'm ready to move on on my own. How autonomy in a woman is seen as a threat. So as I began to observe my own uh, awakening and how it was being resisted by culture, I, I was like, my goodness, I need to help other women as well. And that's what this book is about, is helping women really understand how culture will Put you in a box, and then how you put yourself in a box, and what are the, the the stepping stones to break free? That's what this book really outlines is a stepping stone to one's emancipation.
1: So, what is the first step that you should take on this journey to rediscover who you were meant to be?
2: Well, the first step is really, you know, as I call the first part of the book being asleep in the matrix, meaning you have to become aware that you're even in a messed up state, right? So I help my clients identify their ambivalence, identify their inertia and apathy. You know, when they're sitting listless on the couch, that is a sign that they're asleep. When they're having palpitations in their chest and they're anxious, that's a sign that they're asleep. When they're screaming their head off at their toddler or they're eating, binging on cookies or Netflix, Mm -hmm that's the sign that they could be asleep. Not that binging on Netflix is a bad thing. But, you know, when they are in a, this zombie state and they're not even aware of it, that's the first step that becoming awakened mm-hmm. to the fact that they've been living in this disembodied, discombobulated, disconnected state of existence that is not their, their right, right? That's not the way that they have to live. And when women begin to realize why, you know, why am I doing this to myself? Then we enter the second stage, which is now you begin to confront your patterns. There's a reason why you've been doing this. It's because it's been your pattern. It's been your your legacy from childhood that you are living out. So that's the second step. And then the third step, I talk about how we women need to reclaim our power, our passion, our sexuality. And then the fourth step is you have to crack the matrix. You have to see that these were lies that you were told, that you needed to be this kind of girl and you needed to be this kind of mother and this kind of woman. No. So then part four is about cracking it. And that's where people have the most resistance to my book. People have literally told me, oh, the first three parts were so great. And then then I couldn't handle it, you know. Right. It's like they they don't know what to do with it. They, yeah, you've grown up in the bubble and now you're telling me the bubble is a lie. I mm-hmm. can't handle it.
1: It's and uncomfortable.
2: It's very, unco- very threatening. It's like emotional suicide. Mm-hmm. And then part five is how do you integrate and how do you truly awaken? So th- there's a step to step by step progression to this. You cannot just go from one to hundred. And that's what my book, I think, gently lays out. But I can see how it can be extremely threatening for people who haven't done the work or, or are not ready to dare to become their most liberated self.
0: There's never a time when somebody taps us on the shoulder and says, you are ready to go and become a different person. You're ready to have that awakening and reemerge. And I'm, I'm going to take it back to my own story because I think a lot of women can identify with this. I was an abuse victim and I had always been the nice girl. And I think when I was doing all the prep work for your show and listening to all of the interviews I've heard with you do over the years, I know that we're raised to be nice girls. And in a lot of ways that then led me really to be in a relationship where I was taken advantage of because I was a nice girl. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't want to tell anybody I was going through what I was going through because I wanted to be the nice Good girl, it's like this whole cycle of I always wanted to be nice, and that got me into so much trouble. Yeah. So, how do we ever break
2: free? Yes, well, it could be one event that's the epiphanic turning point. It could be a series of events where you find yourself, you know, at rock bottom. But that's exactly what my book is awakening in us women: that when we are trained to be nice girls, what that really means is to suppress our own feelings, suppress our own knowing. Hey, be nice, meaning shut up and be quiet so I can be in my power, right? So whoever told us to do that wanted to be in power and it's typically culture. It's not even a person perhaps or an abusive uh, parent. It's just the way we were raised to put others first, to put ourselves at the back of the line and to play really small. And when we do that, we deny our inner voice. So then when we're in an adult relationship and somebody tells us to go left, but we are like, no, 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 I need to go right. We forsake that inner knowing because it's been our addictive pattern to do that. And we so want to be considered the nice girl that that's the prize we go for. And in that we are inauthentic and we're liars and we betray ourselves. We commit acts of war against ourselves. We allow people to denigrate us. And it's like unthinkable. Really, if we if we heard that our friend was going through it, but we allow it because we'd rather be the nice girl. So that poison, the toxicity is that message of being the nice girl and not be the authentic self. And I have, in this book, I'm training women and myself to forsake any notion of good, nice, obedient, kind, even kind. I'm like, don't be kind if you're not kind to yourself, like those are all euphemisms now for nice, like, okay, we're, I'm teaching my daughter not to be nice. I'm teaching her to be kind. No, just teach her to just be herself and everything else will follow from there. You've said
1: the pandemic is the best teacher on living. Tell us why you feel that way. And what are the lessons we can learn from it?
2: Well, you know, when you go down the spiritual meditative path, you begin to learn that life is only lived in the moment and everything else is noise. And we believe in belief systems that are entrenched in lies and fear um, because they make us feel safe and give us a sense of power. So when the pandemic arrived in our lives, it shattered this whole idea that we have power it shattered the idea that there is such a thing as a known future, which every spiritual teacher already knows, but it put it into practice. It also made us focus on what's essential and take away all the noise and made us go back home. And I really capitalized on the pandemic. I did many, many, many hundreds of free sessions on the internet to teach people that this was already in the making. Now the pandemic is just making it a mandate but what if we always live like that what if we were always going back home and always connecting to the essential self that's what life is really about and here came the pandemic in a practical way to show us but the the trap is that would we really allow it to show us what we needed to learn or would we just wait for it to be over And the few who have taken on the lessons, I can tell you, have revolutionized themselves because they've learned about the meaning of life, that it's only lived in the present moment.
0: What do you think is responsible for all of the mental health issues that people were facing over the pandemic? I mean, was a lot of it that they realized that they had gotten to this pain point and they needed to break free of their old patterns and that made them feel
2: kind of uncomfortable or, or what was it? well it's a disruption right it's a departure from all what you've known you you know we live this complacent existence that the future is guaranteed and we're climbing the corporate ladder or we're climbing the fitness uh, treadmill or we're doing we're raising the three children and we're sending them down the corporate ladder you know we we're, we're always in the state of excessive manic doing and when the pandemic came and disrupted that now we're in shock like who am i without my doing well that's the place where we get to go inward and reflect and truly understand who it is we are without our roles. None of us really know who we are without our roles. And the pandemic forced us to answer that question. And that's a very uncomfortable thing for many people to do because they're not used to going inward and reflecting.
1: What is the best advice you would pass on to people who are worried about managing their mental wellness and they wanna do it better?
2: you have to let go the doing and understand that all true mental wellness comes from inner alignment of being. It's a completely different paradigm. So we have to start with understanding that all our external life needs to match the internal life. But if we don't know what the internal life is, how are we going to be better at this? So then we'll do yoga for three days and we'll do uh, you know, a, a silent meditation for 20 minutes, but then it'll, we'll fall off the wagon because it's not really coming from inside. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. mental wellness can only occur when you understand it's a whole different journey and you have to take it very seriously and really make room for it in your life. Otherwise you're just a zombie reacting to life.
0: And then until we fully heal those wounds. We're going to keep carrying on the same baggage over and over again into the next relationship, into the next chapter of our lives. And then we're just never going to really get to go anywhere in our lives that makes us truly happy.
2: Yes, exactly. Until we break the pattern, break the habits, then the emotional roller coaster that we've been on will just take on a different face. And now we're with another guy or we're in another relationship or it's a new job. But mental wellness only comes about when you decide to architect and curate your life based on nothing on the outside, but the internal calling. When you prize yourself so deeply and so greatly that you honor yourself so uh, passionately and compassionately that you put yourself first. That's what my book is about. It's about women placing themselves first. And it is not about narcissism. It's about truth authenticity. When we place ourselves first, we actually teach others how to treat us. We actually clear away the cobwebs. We are in alignment with who we are. We radiate with power and positivity. Now our children realize that their worth belongs within them. And we become models, embodiments of the radical uh, spiritual joy that we want in our lives, but don't know how to get. It all starts from women placing themselves first and truly doing the inner work. And that's what my book is a beacon for.
1: And we shouldn't feel guilty about placing ourselves first.
2: No, we should feel guilty when we're not placing ourselves first, because we're totally full of, sorry to say, bullshit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right, right. We're just playing a role. And then we teach our daughters to play a role. And then we're all anxious, right? It's Mm. because we're faking it. We're all playing a role. And my book is saying, hey, stop this nonsense because our daughters will be in trouble and for anything for them start being authentic. So you can teach them that they don't tolerate unworthy relationships and they don't tolerate abuse because they're raised on the principle of following their own inner knowing.
0: On our show, we always ask our guests, what is your nobody told me lesson? So what is it that nobody told you about what it means to have worth and to yeah. really just feel compassion for yourself and, and be happy that you wish you had known before you were in your forties and had your own epiphany.
2: Oh my God. You know, the billion, nobody told me I'm so in my book, I always go, nobody told us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so mad, you know, but who to be mad at oh my God. <laughs> nobody told me that I would be a girl raised in a culture of frustrated, sexually perverted, aggressive men. And I would need to scream for help and have a sisterhood and own it when it was happening and not to feel ashamed and not to think it was me. Nobody told me that being a victim is not my fault and I should not feel ashamed and I should scream it from the rooftops if I've been a victim. There is no shame in being a victim. We are physically smaller, physically weaker. It's okay, it's not our fault. Nobody told me that I really didn't need to get married at all and that that institution would ultimately be the reason I would further subjugate myself. Nobody told me that other people's opinion really doesn't matter. Nobody told me I did not need to be a mother and that motherhood would actually not give me the fulfillment I thought it would give me. And nothing would give me the fulfillment that I thought it would give me. Nobody told me that I needed to really own myself and that the only point of this journey called life is to fall in love with myself. And that period, that's it. That's the end of the story. And nobody told me that I should never seek any validation on the outside until I can give it first to myself.
1: Mm. And Dr., how can people connect with you on social media and the internet and find out more about the book?
2: Well, they can go to aradicalawakening.com or they can go to my website, Drshefali.com, and they can grab a copy wherever copies are sold and watch my videos on Instagram. My Instagram is dr d o shafali.
1: Thank you so much for joining us. You've imparted a lot of wisdom in a short amount of time.
2: Thank you for having me. I'm so honored that you're featuring my book and my voice. I, I'm so happy to be here.
1: Again, our thanks to Dr. Shafali, whose latest book is called A Radical Awakening. Turn pain into power. Embrace your truth. Live free. And again, her websites are drshafali.com and ARadicalAwakening.com. I'm Jan Black. And I'm Laura Owens. You're listening to Nobody Told Me. Thank you so much for joining us.